Thank you, Martha, for this beautiful poem. This is really about God with us, Emmanuel. And I think not only at Christmas time, but every day we should remember that Jesus has become one of us. And that's the way how God solved the big trouble of sin. Before we open the Word of God this morning, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads for an opening hymn and an opening prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you in the name of Jesus that we could remember him being born, growing up, teaching and preaching, suffering and then dying at the end. Because that was your plan. That was your answer to the sin problem. And today we have a very unique Sabbath. It's very close to Christmas. But at the same time, this is our fourth Sabbath of the quarter where we normally have communion service. So we ask you, Lord, to open our hearts and minds and help us to understand what the birth of Jesus really meant and how he can change our mind and our hearts and our actions. And Lord, we want to thank you for all these blessings in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If you want to read about the birth of Jesus, you need to find two books in the New Testament. One is the Gospel of Matthew, the other is the Gospel of Luke. If you go to Mark, you find nothing about the birth of Jesus. If you read the Gospel of John, well, that's a very interesting, very deep Gospel. It doesn't really um, give us the story of the birth of Jesus. Is it okay? Okay. Thank you. So let's go to the Gospel of Luke first. And then we move on to the Gospel of John. So if we go to the Gospel of Luke first, chapter 2. And I'm reading the first five verses. Luke chapter 2. And then verses 1 through 5. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth his firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I'd like to put a little emphasis on the last sentence. No room for them in the inn. Do you have room for Jesus in your mind? If you will, in your inn or in your inner man? Well, Luke is a very precise writer. Excuse me, he is a good historian. And he gives all the details. There was a decree went out that went out from Caesar Augustus. There was a census. He's even giving the name Quirinius was governing Syria. And so the decree went out that everyone should go to his own city. So we know the place, we don't know the time. If you ask a Western Christian, the person would say, that's the 25th of December. If you ask an Eastern Christian, and the person would say, I believe it's 6th of January, isn't it? The time or the day of the birth of Jesus. But the Bible does not give us the time. Instead, the Bible gives us the place. And we know this was the city of Bethlehem, a small town a little south of Jerusalem, where King David was born. And as we understand, Joseph and Mary were from the lineage, from the house of David. So they had to go to this small town, and there was no room for them. Which brings me something which Jesus said at least uh, a couple of times in the, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 9 and also Matthew chapter 8. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but a son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And there was from the beginning, from his birth, there was no place for him. Do you have room for Jesus? Do you have place for him? Well, what does this name mean? Jerusalem or Bethlehem, close to Jerusalem. You know what that, that name means? Bethlehem? Or it had a different name. It was Ephrata. Meaning the same thing, the house of bread. And it seems to me that John in his gospel is focusing on the notion of bread. So from the house of bread was born somebody who is the bread of life. And I think it's very fitting that we think about the birthplace of Jesus, Bethlehem, the house of bread, but at the same time, because of the Lord's Supper, 
we think about him who is the living bread. And I'd like to read a few verses from the Gospel of John because he did not record the birth of Jesus, but he recorded something about the bread. And I'd like you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And beginning in verse 26, I'm reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, beginning with verse 26, all the way to 37. We need to see something in the background. If you open your Bibles at John 6, it starts with feeding the 5,000. 5,000 feeding with five barley loaves and two small fish. And then there is another miracle. Jesus walks on the sea. They went to the other side of the, of the Lake Galilee. And some people who ate from his bread followed him. They walked around the big lake. Jesus was walking on the water, but these people were walking around the lake, taking some time, and then finally they found Jesus in verse 25. This is John 6, 25. And they asked him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Well, Jesus did not respond to this question. But he said something very interesting. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, thinking about feeding the 5,000, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And so it seems that these people went after the bread instead of going And finding Jesus, although they found him. But this Bible verse says that you came because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Then the teaching comes. And that's where we need to have our focus. Jesus said, don't labor for the food which perishes. But for the food which endures to everlasting life. Which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus is saying that there is something more important than the physical food. Something more important than the house of bread. And this term, the house of bread, practically means that this is a very fertile land. There is abundance So that area was a very good agricultural territory of Judea. And people had plenty. They have abundance. Isn't that the purpose of Jesus' coming? To give us life more abundantly? But how should we receive that life? Well, Jesus continued on in verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? 
Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. And please don't forget that he performed two miracles, feeding 5,000 and walking on the sea. And now they are asked, they were asking him. Verse 30. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? He has just performed two great miracles. And now these people are asking him, what will you do? What sign will you perform? Because we want to see it and believe. They were more for seeing than believing. And this is the world where we live in today. This world is after seeing and not believing. So these people said, what sign will you perform? Then they said, what work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They just ate the bread. Jesus made a miracles, performed the miracles, and they all ate from that bread. Five loaves for 5,000 people. That was the miracle of miracles. And it's very interesting that this is the only miracle of Jesus which is recorded in all four Gospels. Feeding the 5,000. And all these people are asking him, what sign will you show us so we can believe? Are you going to give us manna again? Because our fathers ate the manna. And God gave them bread from heaven. We know you were born in Bethlehem. That's the house of bread. But will you really give us bread? Bread from heaven? Well, in verse 32, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So manna is not the real bread. That's what Jesus is telling them. If you want to find the true bread, and he continues. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I think this is a time when we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to this table. We need to remember not only his birth, 
but his sacrifice. His self-sacrifice because he is giving, he has given his life for the life of this world. And he is the true bread. But of course we need to go to Jesus. He said, come to me. This is an invitation on the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And all that the Father gives me will come to me. And if someone comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need bread? Do you need this heavenly bread? The true bread as Jesus was practically defining his mission? And you know the Jews kind of proudly repeated the story that went on for 40 years in the desert. Thinking of Moses, the great leader who gave them bread. And in the course of history, they forgot that the real bread is still coming. So this is why Jesus said, Moses did not give you the real one. Although they considered the bread, the manna, as something coming down from heaven, from God. But Jesus said the real bread is the one. It says this is the work of God that you believe in him who, whom he sent. And he said the real bread, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus is more than bread. He is our drink. But later in this chapter, if you turn the page to chapter 7, the Gospel of John, chapter 7, that's where Jesus is defining something about the water. John seven thirty-seven and 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, there was the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John is making a comment in verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Do you have room for Jesus? Do you have room for the Holy Spirit? Are you hungry? Are you really thirsty? Not hungry for bread and not hungry for water, but hungry for the life of Jesus. 
that he would have room in your life. And hungry for the Holy Spirit, that you would be refreshed. Because Jesus mentioned something about uh, this uh, refreshing water. He said that those believing in him would receive, and out of his heart, Jesus said, will flow flow rivers of living water. If you go back to chapter 6, he said, He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. If deep in your heart or in your spirit you are hungry or thirsty, or both, the only solution is to come to Jesus. Because what this world offers is not the real bread. It's not the real food. It's not a refreshing water. So Jesus is saying that come to me so you would receive these blessings. And there is also a promise. He said that if someone comes to me, I would by no means cast him out. But sometimes... We can face a danger. And please turn a little backwards in, in the Gospel of John chapter 5, where Jesus is mentioning something about coming to him. <clears throat> and this is John 5, and in verses 39 and 40. John 5, verse 39 and 40, it says, You search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Unless we go to Jesus, we have no life. And we need to find Jesus in the scriptures. You know, the trouble was with the Jews in Jesus' time that they were diligent students of the word. But they did not discover the word of God, the living word. They were reading the, the, the copied word. There was no printed word in those days. They had to copy letter by letter. From right to left, from right to left, backwards, because of the Hebrew writing. And so they had to do that and read it and memorize it. And kind of sadly, Jesus said, you search the scriptures. You are very good at learning. Why is it that you don't want to come to me? You don't find me in the scriptures? You just read the scriptures for scripture's sake? Or do you really find the true bread in scriptures? He said, I'm the true bread. I'm the living bread. And if you go back to chapter 6, later on he said something about taking his bread in, in verses 53, for instance, 
Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is why we have a communion service. Because symbolically, not physically, symbolically, we eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood in order to have life in us. He is the living bread. And Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh, verse, verse 54, eats my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That's the purpose of today. Not only thinking of a little babe. And you know, it's very interesting. If you go to the Gospel of Matthew, the Jews, when King Herod was asking about the birthplace of the new king, what did they say? They said, it's Bethlehem. There were two Bethlehems, to be honest, in those days, one in Judea, another in Galilee. Uh, but they were referring to an old prophecy. And let's go there for just, just a second to see how Micah put it. Because they were quoting those wise men, not those who are, were coming from the east, but those who were living in Jerusalem in the, in the time of the birth of Jesus they said, this is a prophecy fulfillment. The Messiah would come and be born in this house of bread, Bethlehem. And they, they quoted Micah, but not fully. But if you go to Micah, to the book of Micah, it's, it's a small book, towards the end of the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata." Though you are little among the thousands of, of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. If you go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, you will find a quotation except the last sentence. I don't know if they were afraid of telling the king that there is somebody who is from everlasting is coming or they wanted to be polite. I don't know. But they did not quote the whole passage, the whole prophecy, just the first part. And then they ended with the sentence, the one to be ruler in Israel. So he is going to be our king. But they missed this part, whose going, goings forth are from of old, from everlasting, or from eternity, from the days of eternity. So when we think about the birth of Jesus, we should not simply think as a babe, but think of someone who is eternal. And that's why he can offer his own life 
in exchange for your life or my life. And that's how we should think about Christmas and think about the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus gave his life for us. The Father gave his Son to us forever. As you all know, as Ellen White explains it, Jesus will retain the human nature forever. So he is not simply a little babe born in Bethlehem, having no room. So he was put in a manger. My question is, do you have room for Jesus? Do you really have room for him? In your heart, in your mind? Because that's all what matters. The rest is just perishing. Jesus said, don't work for the food that would perishes. And we all know that around Christmas time we eat more than what we are supposed to do. <laughs> we have plenty of food. We enjoy food with friends or family. But please remember the real food is coming from heaven. He has already come. And he is the Jesus who gives his life as bread so you would not hunger. And he has sent his spirit so you would not thirst. These are God's free gifts. So please remember Jesus. He was born in the house of bread. But he is the bread. And he is the one who can quench your thirst or, or your hunger. Nothing else in this world. And he said, if someone comes to me, I will by no means cast him out. So I'm praying that this would be our experience today. That if we come to Jesus, we would be accepted by his grace. Amen.